Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, the legendary Randy Erickson. And I should probably pretend that lots happened since the last podcast and I have something to talk about. But in actuality, that was about 45 minutes ago when I did the last inter- introduction for Nathan. So we'll just say this is uh, his teammate, Chris Forn, who uh, arguably one of the best... Nah, inarguably one of the best navigators in the world so we ended up spending a lot of time talking about navigation and not specifically about the world championships other than it was mentioned a time or two so um, an interesting conversation I think and I hope you do too and let's see now it's uh, the end of the weekend so I hope you had a good time and uh Thanks for listening. Go fast, take chances, but don't get too lost. G'day, Chris. Yeah. Hey, Chris. It's Randy Erickson. Hello. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. How's it? Uh, how's it for you? You feeling uh, chipper? Good. <laughs> good. Good. No, I was. I was just being being still. Still was um, in bed when you rang the first time. I seem to still be catching up on some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I, but anyway, that's so cool. Yeah, so, all right. Here's my first question. Um, since I just literally 20 minutes ago got done talking with your teammate Nathan. Yep, yep. How fast are you guys going to be now that you got rid of the old guy? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's certainly going to be a bit of a different. Um, you know, it's always going to be a bit of a change, especially losing team captain. Um, but yeah, no, we're we're sort of obviously um, still excited to be racing next year, um, and yeah, I don't know. I I I suspect we'll hopefully hopefully sort of you know um, I guess all, all of us have still had lots of race experience, so we're sort of hoping to um, you know I guess race it. Race, 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 fairly similar to how we've done in the past. Um, I guess the, the the main probably logistics for us is just you know getting organising sponsorship and gear and stuff um, will will be a bit of a, a novel novel thing to <laughs> <laughs> have to deal with. But I, th- I think out on the course, you know, I mean, I guess um, especially being a navigator, I sort of often you know end up sort of been a little bit sort of making the calls as to you know obviously where we're going and kind of what's what we're up to so i think i think you know actually when we're out there racing it shouldn't be too too much different but yeah it's definitely always always a bit of a change especially when we've raced with you know the same team more or less for quite a few years yeah I, it would be a change and i'm kind of curious you know nathan's been kind of the face of the team who's who's going to step up and be the the face, or are you guys gonna take turns? Um, I, I suspect that we're likely to be a fairly, yeah, sort of a co <laughs> co in charge, yeah. if you like. I, I'm not, I'm not really sure um, on that front. Yeah. Um, I, I suspect if, if there's anyone that might be sort of like a, a slight nominal you know, leader it might be Sophie, but um, <laughs> probably, I, I, I think more more realistically, it's probably going to be a bit more of a joint, you know, sort of a um, team organization responsibility, yeah. Yeah, 
Well, I can see that. I mean, it's, yeah, it's going to take four of you to fill his shoes, right? <laughs> so, but then again, he did tell me that, well, I might just come back and race once in a while, too, so. That's right. We 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 certainly. I, I wouldn't. You know. Um. I mean. I think it's it's likely he'll. You know. Hold, hold off for a year, maybe. But who yeah. knows with Nathan? He's already. He's already said he's retired once. <laughs> ten years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what happens. So, anything can happen. That's right. All right. So enough about that guy. Um. Who are you? Because <laughs> you are. Because you are. Well, you are kind of the. The quiet guy on the team. I mean, you, you. To me, you seem like you just go and get the job done. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess yeah. My, my background is obviously through the orienteering, and it was actually Aaron Prince that got me into adventure racing. Um, and I guess yeah, I I sort of really enjoy the obviously the navigating and the challenges out there on the course, but I'm obviously quite yeah, quite happy to have someone else, you know, be more in charge of organising the team sort of outside of the event there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, definitely, um, yeah, I guess both. I mean, Stu's probably in a similar boat in that regard. He, he's sort of a little bit of a navigator as well, so we're sort of slowly collecting navigators on our team. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean it's it's it's, it's quite interesting actually when Stu first joined because I guess, I guess up until then like I obviously started off um, well for a while I was racing with Nike and on that team um, none of the others you know had much experience navigating so I was you know more or less entirely sort of in charge or you know or sort of you know pretty much had to make the the sort of calls regardless of you know whether you're sort of tired or not um, or you know. What was else was going on, um, and I guess you know racing with Nathan, he's obviously you know had a reasonable amount of navigating experience himself. So that was you know I mean I, I still ninety nine percent of the time ends up just doing the navigating, but you know it was, it was nice to have someone else to at least you know be able to um, discuss options and you know have have some sort of you know I guess good feedback as far as you know route choice or you know perhaps you know. I mean, sometimes I'd be like, oh, well, we could go this way or this way, and, you know, the, the sort of the, the potential risks or options, and, you know, it's good to have someone else to sort of bounce ideas a little bit off. And then um, I guess I was a little bit concerned initially when Stu joined the team just because, you know, he'd been doing the navigator, and I was just, like, not sure how it was going to work having, you know, two or <laughs> more navigators. Um, but luckily, yeah, the, the other ones both seem to be more content than I am to be sort of co-navigator or, or happy not to navigate, um, you know. Whereas I think for me, I'd, I'd probably struggle for significant periods not to be sort of sitting there holding the map knowing where we were going. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, so it's, it, it's worked out really well because, I mean, yeah, both, both Stu and Nathan, I mean, Stu's obviously now ends up being mostly the sort of co-navigate me and a lot of the races we've got two sets of maps yeah. um, anyway which I think is a great you know thing because I mean there's certainly you know um, some years ago or I don't know there, there were particular races you know they only had a single set and I think having the 
having a double set of maps is really great because it just means that, you know, if you do have a couple of people on the team that, you know, uh, wanting to be involved with an avid game, that you can both, you know, have a map and sort of, I guess, sort of work work cooperatively together rather than just having, like, you know, having to sort of stop and have... Because the thing is, if you, if, you, if you haven't been following the map yourself, then it's sort of hard to suddenly, you know, jump in and go, oh, and, you know, have a sort of an input. Whereas, if, I guess, if you've got your own, you know, yeah. another copy that you've been sort of keeping, you know, a little bit of track of what's happening, then it sort of is easier to you know, both be sort of involved. Um, and so that's, I guess, made things a lot easier to have, you know, two navigators. You can both kind of, um, yeah, yeah. Both, both be involved without sort of having to fight over the map. Yeah. <laughs> one, um, one guy isn't navigating we, upside down looking at the map. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And, 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 and yeah, I guess I've, I've been um, so far more or less sort of, I guess, put in... In, in the role of the, the sort of chief navigator, like so, so pretty much most of the time out there on the course, I sort of end up getting made or sort of take the responsibility of sort of making the you know final calls or decisions. But in saying that, you know, it's obviously if I'm sort of a bit uncertain or someone else has a you know a sort of particular strong view or something, I generally you know go along with that if you know it seems it seems reasonable. Um, and yeah, it, it's been really good having, um, like Stuart in particular. I think we work quite well together because we've both got different skill sets in the navigation. You, you sort of think, you know, how can the adventure racing, you know, like you know, surely navigation sort of a little bit navigation. Um, but I guess, I guess my background's been particularly from the orienteering. So I guess what I really um, feel my strengths are. More navigating off the contours and I guess you know compass a bit and um, I guess using the sort of type of features that you would use when you're out there orienteering, but obviously on a larger scale. Um, whereas I mean, Stuart's obviously had a bit of orienteering background as well, but I guess he's a little bit more proactive with using like an altimeter or you know the speedo on the bike and things like that, which. I mean, I should be, I should probably, you know, make more use of because they are useful tools for the adventure racing. But I guess coming from, yeah, orienteering Rogan, you're not allowed to have, you know, an altimeter or um, speedo type thing. So it sort of ends up being something I tend not to sort of, yeah, utilize, I suppose. Um, and so, yeah, I, I guess um, sort of from that background, it sort of ends up, sometimes complementing each other well because you know there's some situations where you know particular sort of approach or um, styles you know sort of more I guess applicable or sometimes even just having the two together sort of you know being if you both sort of I guess attacking the problem from a slightly different angle and it gives you kind of a I guess more you know confidence or reliability if you're sort of both you know in agreement or you know more easy to sort of perhaps pick up a issue if you know you sort of become out of agreement yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah no it's, it's, it's definitely so far um yeah been you know worked out really well on that front yeah um all right here's a, a semi not serious question sort of <laughs> have you ever been in a race and just like i have no idea where we're at guys 
Um, yeah, a few few times that you. I mean, generally, I guess that's, that's one of the one of the problems. I mean, but most of the time, I have that feeling. You kind of um, end up actually being closer, or well, I often find that you, you do end up sort of being closer or more near to where you sort of vaguely thought you might be than than what you sometimes think you are. But um, no, certainly in, in the adventure race, I think it's one thing that. I've sort of learnt to deal with a little bit, but um, I guess because you know you're racing for so many days and you do get really tired, and it, um, you know, during the night when you're tired, and sometimes you can just, um, yeah, I think with the navigating, your sort of mind set, you know, like sometimes you sort of just are in the right mood and you're concentrating well, and things just seem to, you know, kind of, I guess. I know sometimes you sort of seem to navigate really well, you know, just things kind of go nicely. Mm-hmm. And other times you can be going along and you just, for whatever reason, just, I know, don't have quite the right mind to be mapping the map to the terrain. For whatever reason, yeah. you know, things, you're just sort of struggling to relate the two together. Just, and I don't know, sometimes it just seems a little bit, yeah, maybe because of the tiredness or just, I don't know, a bit haphazard. But sometimes you sort of do seem to, navigate better and sometimes you don't and yeah there's certainly been times that I've been out there and I'm just like oh, oh nothing's really making sense I sort of <laughs> thought I knew where we were you know an hour ago and now it's oh, not so good um, it's definitely not not a good feeling um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, and I guess part of the part of what I've learned with the adventure racing is that you know, the, the worst thing you can do is try and get too sort of panicked by the situation or, or, or you know, if you, if you kind of let it stress you too much, um, which, you know, obviously as a navigator, especially when you sort of, you know, I guess pride your navigation, the worst thing you could have is, you know, go, oh, God, we're, we're lost somewhere. <laughs> we're not quite sure. <laughs> and... <laughs> And, 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 you know, you feel responsibility for the whole team and it's sort of like, oh, and I think, yeah, sometimes if, it then, if you then kind of get, you know, sort of sort of into a stressed kind of a mindset, then often things sort of, you know, can go downhill even further. You know, you sort of not, don't think so rationally. Or, and so I think one, one thing I've definitely found is that it pays to always try and, you know, stay reasonably calm and you know even if you kind of go well okay well we're not sure where we are but you know we did you know we were reasonably confident we were back here and then you just try and I guess you know take the time to you know slow down and 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 sort of I guess analyze you know what the terrain's doing around you and try and you know make a best guess as to where you think you are and, and and also then come up with a you know, a tactical approach as to how you're going to then be, you know, I guess refined, you know, regain contact with what's going on. So, so I guess there's two two approaches that I normally use. One of them is obviously if there's some, um, you know, more definite feature on the map, such as a, you know, track where you hope might be, you know, somewhat reliable or, you know, a house or a river or, I don't know, I guess a feature that's, um, you know, a little bit more certain perhaps, then sometimes, you know, if, if the terrain's not too, obviously not too impenetrable, then you've got the, the, the sort of more straightforward option of more or less just continuing on your compass until you, you know, 
hit hit the the next sort of you know definite feature. Um, and I guess in some in some countries are trying that's reasonably stri- you know not too bad. You can just more or less you go oh well I'm a little bit lost but I know I've been heading more or less in the right direction. If I just go keep heading pretty much in the right direction, then you know I'll hopefully hit this you know or cross this sort of feature, then you know we'll be able to sort of pick up where we are again. Um, I guess in places like South America it becomes much more tricky because you know you suddenly find that the bush can be like this really almost impenetrable you know like really really bad if you're sort of off track not (laughs) heading in the right direction and I guess that's in itself a bit of a frustrating or you know like so so sometimes you can't sort of adopt that approach I mean like on the but yeah I mean I I guess it does depend on the trace so sometimes you might sort of be like well okay we you sort of I guess have to occasionally make the call you know we do need to go back and you know spend half an hour going backwards to then you know figure out or you know go back to sort of where it was you know known location and I guess that's um you, you know that I guess it's always reluctant you like you always I guess reluctant to go backwards because you sort of think well you know that's half an hour wasted but I guess you sometimes you've got to sort of weigh up the situation and go well you know what are the risks if we don't go back and find out where, you know, and get back onto where we know we are. I mean, if we just keep going and it's really dense bush or something, you know, we could waste many hours. So, so I guess you have to sort of, yeah, make some calls sort of based on the, I guess, the sort of the risks. And I think that's sometimes where it's nice to have someone else to, yeah, again, bounce ideas off, you know, sort of, just sort of, I guess, make a bit of a judgment of how risky it is to continue and hope to, you know, get through or pick something up versus sort of, you know, invest, I guess, yeah, you could say it's sort of an investment. You, you know that you're going to cost you half an hour or, you know, maybe an hour in total going back, but you, you kind of hope that that's then going to set you on the right path, whereas the sort of the going forward, you know, you might sort of make it through, but then, you know, you might not, and that might be even worse in the race. And I guess in a, in a big, long race, at the end of the day, if you kind of, um, I mean, hopefully this, you know, you, you Ideally, is uh, you don't try not to get yourself into that situation in the first place. But if you if you do, then you know an hour out of these races still isn't the worst thing. You know, it's certainly a lot better than six hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I think uh, certainly I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely definitely times out there that I have felt like you know not not certain of where we are, and um, I guess part of the skill is just yeah, staying calm and and sort of having a a sort of a rational plan of how to, you know, get back on track again. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Um, in in quite honestly, I think we're going to be heavy on navigation because it's very interesting, and and I think you're considered one of the best. So maybe we'll learn something. But when you look at a map and look at a tr- at terrain, for me, every very seldom. I'll be out with a map, you know, even locally with map, and all of a sudden, the whole, I, I see the train on the map just exactly the way it looks in real life. Is that how you see a map, or how do you relate the map to the train? <laughs> um, I mean, mostly, obviously, they don't match up that closely, especially yeah. <laughs> on an adventure race map. I mean, you know, like, I guess a good example is in this race, um, you know, during the, like, pack rafting section yeah. was a particularly good example where 
on the map, you know, it shows these um, tracks and this, um, I mean, more or less the, the, the sort of detail on the map was a sort of a set of stock routes um, and also sort of this haphazard occasional little bit of green, you know, forest vegetation and the odd farmhouse sort of scattered in there was pretty much all there was on the map. Um, the, the, problem, <laughs> the problem in this case was that the little stock route trails, I guess, to start off, we didn't really know exactly how they'd be appearing. We, we kind of knew or had, you know, assumed that they would be underwater, but the what we didn't really realise was that some of them would be kind of quite, I guess, more or less following more natural features rather than just of a more straight line, kind of a, you know, a route that had been ploughed by the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we ended up, I, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, in, in, I'm still a little bit uncertain because one of the tracks were, or a couple of the tracks we tried to follow, we really just couldn't find any sign of what we thought was a stock route. And I guess retrospectively, I'm not sure. I mean, it could have been just that, you know, the map um, was a bit out of date on that, you know, and, and, and the, which you always have in these maps, you know. I mean, tra- I guess tracks on maps are never 100% reliable because, you know, the, whenever the map was made, I mean, you know, the race organisers obviously try and sort of keep things reasonably up to date, but it's such a... I guess different, um, a, a wide range of where teams could go. It's such a big area that you know it's, it's easy for there to be new tracks or tracks that don't really exist. Um, and so in this case, I'm not sure whether it was just because the track had more or less not been used for too long, you know, sort of mostly disappeared, or whether perhaps it was a track, but we just didn't really quite know what we were looking for. But I guess yeah. Anyway, relating coming back to the question of relating the terrain to the map. Um, I think the one of the skills is to try and make use of sort of as much of the information as possible, because often you can get fixated looking at you know one like like relying on I guess one feature. You think okay, I'm following the track, you know, and just sort of go with that, or um, you kind of navigate off a single um, at any I guess point in time. You, you can sometimes be just sort of navigating off a single point on the map, which is okay, but I think it's to me, it's best if you can always make as much use of all the information. So, you know, you, you, maybe you are following a track and you kind of go, yes, I know I'm on this little track and we're, you know, waiting for this bend. But, you know, it's good to sort of make use of all, all the things you have available. So I guess on the, you know, I guess on the distance side of things, you know, you might use your watch to say, okay, well, the bend should be coming up in, you know, about 10 minutes. So you sort of have an idea of, when the bend does come, you know, is it sort of the right bend or maybe it's just a false bend or, you know, something. so you've sort of got, I guess, two things. You're looking for a bend, but you're also looking for, a, you know, a bend in a particular amount of time. And then at the same time, you would be also trying to sort of match up the sort of vague vegetation, which was shockingly met. But at the same time, you know, you could make use of it. Like when you got close to one of these green blobs that were on the map of the pack craft, you could actually kind of go okay, well, that green blob probably is that one. I mean, the, the problem was is basically there was a lot more patches of forest that weren't shown in that, but the ones that were shown, if you're kind of, you know, within 500 metres of it, you could generally go, oh, yep, that's kind of, you know, you could sort of imagine sort of a bit of a, you know, glossy finger. Um, oh, yeah, that sort of patch of forest probably is that blob on the map. Yeah. Um, and, and that was actually quite useful. Like, you sort of, you know, like by itself, it would be, you know, really nearly impossible to sort of be, you know, navigate off. But if you kind of are combining 
both, you know, using your compass and, um, you know, with our watch, we would, you know, trying to time, estimate sort of, you know, obviously how many kilometers or, you know, how far we've gone. Then if you sort of have a, I guess, a reasonable guess of where you are, then you could then, you know, when you were getting close to one of these random green blobs or or perhaps, you know, like the obviously the farm buildings as well, you could then go, well, we know we should be, sort of getting close and then you could sort of start to try and, you know, guess or, you know, try and sort of match up, oh yeah, well there's a sort of forest here, maybe that's that one and, and I think sometimes even doing, um, like occasionally if you're, if you're particularly uncertain, one of the other things I sometimes do is it's sort of like a parallel navigation, like you think, well, I think this is the right thing but then I guess you, if you sort of know that you're not certain about it, you sometimes can then try and, you know, tick off other things around it. And if, if sort of several, I guess, several features or points on the map all kind of match up or, if, you know, if you continue past it and it sort of then does what you're expected to, you kind of can then build up or gain confidence that, okay, we were right with our initial guess. And, you know, if, if, if your initial guess, if you then sort of things still don't, aren't really making sense past that, then you're going to go, well, maybe that guess was wrong and you have to sort of try and think up another plan of where you are. But um but yeah, I think I think as far as relating the terrain to the map, it, it does sort of definitely depend greatly on on the area. And I think that's one one thing that is much easier when you're racing your home country. Like I mean that, that, I guess that, that's probably one of the big I mean, one of the big advantages of um you know racing the terrain you're familiar with is that you you inherently just get a little bit better at relating the terrain to the map and I, I guess yeah. um having I mean racing a lot internationally you that's I guess one of the things of experience in racing in lots of different countries you do so slowly build up a a better, you know, capability if you like of dealing with, you know, random or more unusual, you know, situation or you or you, you become I guess a bit more versatile coping with different, you know, yeah. countries and different locations, but it's still always not quite as, um, I guess, sort of, you know, intuitive as racing on in your home, sort of, yeah. like, you know, if I, or, or, you know, navigating around New Zealand, you just have a, a really good feel for how the maps relate to the terrain. And there's still, you know, things that, you, you know, obviously don't match up, but you kind of know, you know what things are like, like, you know, in New Zealand, you know that the contours are, I mean, they might be a bit soft or, you know, you know, they're 20 metre or whatever, but they're, they're always fairly much a reliable feature and the tracks, you know, there might be new ones, but the ones that are, if you do find a track on there, you know, you kind of know that it'll be pretty much in the right place yeah. if it's sort of there. So it's sort of, I guess you have a, a good feel for how the two relate together and it, um, I mean, that's obviously something you want to have everywhere, but it sort of does become, yeah, more more tricky and, and um, more unusual, like you like in the Pantanal, you know, it's not a, it's not a, I guess a, type of terrain or location that probably pretty much I suppose most teams are that familiar with so you sort of have to be a little bit um, you know learn as you go I guess on the on the race like you do kind of have to as you're out there on the course you know try and sort of build up as you're going along a bit of a relationship between the terrain and the map which is I mean, that in itself was quite a fun experience you know you did I did feel even in this race you kind of you know towards the end of the pack craft you had a better um, you sort of able to relate the two together, you know, sort of better than, I guess, what you had, you know, at the, the beginning of the race. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, yeah, you're, you're starting to understand 
how they relate as you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how much of navigation is science and how much is art? Um, I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess it's, it's mostly, mostly I suppose science. I guess it's definitely like you want to be logical, but I, I think in saying that, you know, you do, um, you, you do kind of after, you know, do a lot of navigation, you sort of, some of those things just become sort of a little bit intuitive, and I guess at that point you could sort of say they start to become a bit artful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you kind of, sometimes you just sort of go along and you kind of go, oh, yeah, that's, that sort of matches up with that. And, and it's not really, you know, that sort of scientific, I suppose. <laughs> but, but you kind of, but I think it's it's, it's all, I, I guess, it'd be, you know, sort of deep down inherently, you know, obviously it is sort of a, I don't know, it's, it's a little bit of a combination, yeah. I suppose. Like it's, there's there's sort of the I mean mostly it is the logical, you know, okay, we're on this slope or this, you know, um you know, you you try to sort of be I think you have to approach it from a logical point of view, but at the same time there's a little bit of you say, perhaps it's what is the the fact that the map doesn't quite represent the terrain closely, you have to have a sort of a little bit of a maybe an artistic yeah. guide to sort of relate the two together. But yeah. <laughs> But is there ever been times when you just like we got to go this way, and I just, I just know. Um, not really. I mean, I guess, I guess you only, I, I only would normally do that if, the, as you say, I guess from a sort of logical perspective, you know, things have been matching up, and or, or you, yeah, um, you kind of know. Oh, yeah, I've been drifting off to the right a bit of where I should be. You said, I guess, a bit of feeding because you know you, you have been sort of trying to correct to get around bushes yeah. and stuff. But it's, it's all sort of more based on logical rather than just like, oh, I you know, have this random feeling. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely always from a, well, at least for me, from a logical, yeah. you know, from a, yeah, sort of more calculated perspective. Yeah. Well, you never, you know, you always hear that from people. Yeah, I just knew to go that way. But you never hear the hundred times when they thought that and they went the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm afraid I don't have any any magical. <laughs> any magic in you? <laughs> so. No, no. Um, this is kind of a technical question too, but how long does it take you to be to be comfortable with a larger scale map? To because a lot of times that you know people will be used to like to a one to twenty five, and they'll go to a one to fifty, and and it takes a while to to get that. To realize it, it's a different scale, or have you been doing it long enough that it just happens? Um, that's that's quite a quite a well, it's quite a good, interesting question actually. Um, and that the scale of the map is one of the things I, I guess, have struggled with and have you know definitely identified in the past has been you know a cause of quite a few, you know, previous sort of mistakes or issues. Um. I guess especially doing a lot of orienteering, you based on, you know, one to somewhere between one to four thousand for sort of sprint maps to, you know, one to ten or one to maybe fifteen, but that's even that's pretty rare. Most of the time it's yeah, the the racing I've been doing locally has been either one to five or one to ten thousand. And then, you know, you go to a map like we had in Brazil at one to a hundred, it's quite a big <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quite a quite a shock of you know detail and and scale. Um, and I guess quite a few years ago when we were racing world champs, when I was racing with Nike in Brazil, um, we had 
I sort of, yeah, came away from that race definitely feeling disappointed because I sort of felt, you know, that we could have potentially won the race if it hadn't been for my navigating. At least that's how I sort of felt because, you know, we you know, raced reasonably well and fast and I just made a, a couple of, you know, times during the race that we'd, you know, lost a few hours through, um, you know, basically getting a bit off track or lost or, you know, sort of making some poor decisions. Um, and I think, you know, I sort of, like you do, I, I tend to try and, you know, post-race or, you know, if you do sort of make, especially when you make mistakes, um, I tend to, you know, try and have a bit of an analysis as, you know, what you could have done potentially to, you know, prevent that in the future. Um, and in that case, I, I more or less identified that in both situations, it was really a, uh, the, the scale that had kind of led to the, um, you know, the, the I guess, issue, the, the navigational difficulties. Um, and, and in the first case, it was just the lack of detail that you see on a 1 to 100,000 map. Like, basically, we'd been going up this valley and there was, um, you know, I've been ticking off to the side valleys, if you like, or gullies, but we, I ended up basically ticking off one more because we crossed this, you know, gully that, and at night time, you know, seemed like a, you know, big mm-hmm. valley coming in. But in reality, I guess it must have just been sufficiently small still that it didn't even show up on the one to 100,000 average. I guess that's the thing, you know, you can have quite a big, um, you know, potentially quite a reasonable-sized, you know, feature, if you like, that is just still too, you know, like on, on the 100,000, you know, one millimetre is like 100 metres. So, you know, you could have a something that's, you know, 50 metres across, which, you know, in the night seems like a ginormous thing yeah. <laughs> um, that, you know, might not, just just doesn't even exist on the map. And I think, you know, um, so that, was, that was, I guess, one thing of the scale. And then, and then the second thing was that we were on this mountain bike ride, you know, towards the Enmore, and basically on the map it sort of showed this, you know, more or less a single track, and you kind of went round the bend, you know, kept going for a little bit, and then, you know, took the first left. And I guess that's more or less what we did. We sort of, you know, were going on this trail and went round the bend. I was like, yep, pretty sure this is, you know, the right bend in the road and biked off. And we probably biked, you know, maybe a K up the road, which, you know, at the time, because we were tired and it was again night time, um, you know, seemed like a reasonably long way. And, you know, sure enough, there's this intersection off to the left. And so we swung down that. And then sort of shortly after that, things that have started to get a bit pear-shaped. Um, <laughs> and basically what had happened is that we'd taken a, you know, a left-hand turn, probably about half the distance, like on the, on the map, you know, it was a couple of centimetres um, that we had to go, you know, it didn't look very far, but I guess a couple of centimetres at 100,000, you know, yeah. two kilometres or whatever it is. Um, we'd, we'd more or less, you know, taken this intersection, you know, probably about halfway to where we should have, um, gone and it was just a new one that you know didn't exist on the map but I guess because the two things because we I guess both didn't really anticipate there being another intersection and the fact that the you know scale we so I didn't have a good feel for it at all um, kind of you know led us into oh, sort of another big block botch up <laughs> um, and I guess since, since then the, yeah scale has been something that I've definitely tried to focus or or you know be a bit aware of and I still do struggle because the problem is that you know between the day and the night and when you're feeling good and when you're not and just the way your mind's kind of working sometimes you sort of you know sometimes it 
kind of matches up quite intuitively. Like you're going on, you're like, yep, you sort of, you sort of I guess, have a, a good feel for the scale. And then other times it can kind of go a bit out the window and you're sort of suddenly like trying to, you know, either look for things way too early or sometimes you sort of get into your head the scale is like ginormous and you're like, you know, trying to match these things that are about a kilometre apart to a few millimetres in the net, which is sort of like the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think the, the two things I guess I've learned is to just, well, firstly, try and, you know, always be conscious or at least aware of it, like, like you know, know that that's, not know that the scale could be, you know, like, I guess just to be conscious of it, so not sort of just to be a bit blasé, like try and always sort of think, you know, am I, you know, um, relate, sort of, yeah, sort of relating what I'm seeing to the scale correctly and and I guess the other thing is on the bigger scales like these yeah especially the 100,000 snaps is to make more use of the watch than I used to because you know because there's I guess so much so less detail Mm -hmm. and because again I guess using the watch just as a there's a little bit of backup for me anyway to when when you are tired or when you're sort of I guess when you're not because you know most of the time hopefully you're just relating it quite a bit more intuitively, but if, if that's sort of not happening, then it's nice to have a, if you like, a backup, which is often the watch, so you know that, well, you know, pre, I, mean, I guess if, you know, previous on the leg, it took you about half an hour to, you know, cover a kilometre or whatever it was, and, you know, the terrain hasn't changed a lot, um, then you can, you know, assume that you'll be going at a similarish pace, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, at, at the present, and I guess... If you at least just sort of have a bit of a look at your watch, okay, well, we knew we set off from this, you know, reasonably known point, you know, maybe an hour ago, then it kind of, I guess it just gives you either confidence or a little bit of backup that you suddenly, you know, see something and you go, oh, well, hang on, we've actually only been going 30 minutes and um, this thing's, you know, four kilometres away. There's like no way we could have got to that yet, you know. Yeah. Either we were sort of incorrect previously or, you know, this is just a false sort of a, a lead now, and so I think, yeah, I guess for me that's that's probably the t- the two things I've done to try and address the scale is, is yeah, make a little bit more use of the watch um, on, on obviously the larger scales, and also I guess just be just have it in your mind, like in the back of your mind, to be sort of wary of the scale rather than just sort of be too, yeah, I know, just just sort of keep 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 sort of reminding yourself, okay, this is a hundred thousand, you know, this this thing might not appear or vice versa, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Um, as strictly a personal view, do you like to get, like, the whole course, maps of the whole course ahead of time, or like you did in Brazil, just get, uh, you know, the first map as you're on your way to the start? Um, I I think on the whole I've, I've grown more, definitely more fond of getting fed to the maps um so so as you say getting getting a you know a couple of maps more of that sort of close to the start line and then you know a, a few more sort of during the race i mean i think the the two reasons for that for me is that um one of them is that i find i generally dislike the what you know often used to happen is that you've got a giant bunch of maps you know at the race sort of briefing the night before the race and then especially as navigator you pretty much had to spend you know up to midnight or something trying to you know plan out your course or route or what have you um on the maps and then, you know you'd just sort of start at six o'clock the next morning it just ended up being quite a um 
I know, a little bit of a saga of trying to get all these maps, yeah. um, you know, done right, you know, before when you're basically wanting to be asleep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and I think the other thing which increasingly, I guess, has also made me more, much more favourable to having the maps out on the course um, is that with, I guess, the increased, you know, um, access and and quality of, you know, Google Earth imagery and stuff, then more and more teams are, you know, trying to make use of that, you know, as soon as they've got maps out, they kind of quickly go online and try and, you know, look at the aerial photos to sort of, you know, get additional, you know, information or help them sort of, you know, plan or see where there might be a new track or just, I guess, make use of that, which to me is is, is a little bit, you know, not really part of the what the game should be about. I mean, you know, I guess if, that's sort of what everyone's doing and you kind of then feel maybe I should do the same but I guess I would rather that wasn't an option Mm -hmm. and um, I think by giving maps out during the course then they clearly you know when you're out there on some random transition you're not having access to you know internet or computer or what have you and and they're also clearly in the rules you know, it's much more clear in the rules that you're not allowed those during the competition, but it's sort of like a little bit vague as to, you know, when does the race actually start? You know, before the race, obviously, you know, some days before you're obviously allowed to just, you know, go and email home or, you know, do whatever you like more or less. Yeah. And so it's sort of a bit, um, it becomes a bit more, yeah. So, so I guess for me, having the maps given out just sort of during the course or as you go along or, you know, it is... On, on that grounds alone, I think it's quite a, a, a good um, reason for doing it because it just means that teams don't aren't able to, you know, even have that option, which I, I think sort of just makes things sort of, yeah, more fair and more sort of, you know, I guess you kind of just, you know, are trying to navigate off the map rather than trying to, you know, use all this other sort of technology to, you know, potentially assist you. Well, and let's face it, if you're a good navigator, that's a, that's an advantage for you to get it. To get him, getting him at the last minute. Um, that, that's also a little bit true. That I think you know, I guess from the, I guess, I guess in some ways you know, anything that can make the navigation sort of more of a challenge, or, or even just drawing up the courses. I guess mm-hmm. as a good navigator, you tend to be something that you're probably a bit quicker at being able to, um, you know, quickly sort of plan out where you might go. And so I guess both those things, they they probably, yeah, inherently might you know be a little bit favourable towards a, a stronger navigating team as well. So I guess that's sort of an added, added bonus. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think so. Um, do you ever post-race look at the maps and, and kind of debrief yourself? Um, I do, but it, 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 it tends to um, yeah, often be around the areas or, or um, points that we sort of, you know, realised we either did get lost or at least lost time. Like, you know, sometimes you do, I mean, like even in this race, there was a time where we kind of, we weren't lost, but we clearly lost, you know, half an hour, an hour of time basically just by hitting a, you know, thick patch of bush. Mm. Um, when we were just, you know, doing a bit of bush, bush bashing down off one of the spurs. And, you know, again... Um, it's sort of, I mean, you know, you could say, well, what what great sort of benefit is it sort of doing a bit of post-race analysis? But I don't know, it's, it's nice to sort of try and, if you can, you know, 
I guess learn as much as possible. And um, so, you know, I, I guess in this race, you know, one of the things that um, did seem to be a little bit the case is that in, in practice actually following the creeks in, in some cases was actually, was actually not a bad option in, in these um, sort of bush bashing jungly bits because they tended to, um, I guess a really small creek might be a bit narrow, but some of the bigger creeks were, um, I guess, had a, enough of a sort of a opening because of, of, I guess, the creek itself, you know, mm-hmm. causing it that you could sort of more or less walk down, even if it was a drier river, you know, what was, I guess, because often they were sort of seasonal, I suppose. But, yeah. you know, it, it sort of ended up being actually a bit of a, you know, you could actually go along the creek sometimes reasonably well um, versus just sort of what was, you know, bashing out in the sort of forest beside it. Um, but then on the on the downside, we also discovered, you know, some in some areas the creeks ended up being like this little um, sort of snake of pretty much doing these giant big, you know, um, meandering turns. And so you'd sort of go for a, a kilometre along the lake and, I mean, along the river and probably only make a one or two hundred metres forward on the ground. Yeah, that's demoralising. <laughs> so, yeah, so it wasn't so good. So, but, I mean, I, I guess I didn't really come up with any particular strong... Um, conclusions on, on that front really but um, yeah I mean I, I think it's it's always good to as you say have a little bit of a analysis post race sometimes it's difficult because you know you've often lost or somehow inadvertently you know got rid of some yeah. maps during the course and um, that's happened a little bit in this year so I, I was actually quite keen to um, possibly send the um, organiser an email just to get a uh, there was you know some extra copies still, you know, yeah. left over if they could post some back over. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's... Um, I, I don't sort of, yeah, spend too long, right. too long post-analysis. Mostly it's just sort of, especially if there was a, you know, if you made some mistakes or there was some some issues or something that sort of seemed a bit weird matching up at the time, as as, you know, you kind of have a little bit of a look back at it when you're, you know, obviously not so tired just to see if you can piece together what might have been happening. But um, other than that, often you kind of tend to, yeah, I mean, there's, there's only so much you can really, I guess, gain by just sort of looking at the map yeah. back at the back at home unless, you know, you actually go out there again, you know, um, in, in the terrain and have a second look at the terrain and the map. You know, if you just look at the map only at home, it's, it's, yeah, there's, there's only a limited amount you can sort of, I guess... Yeah. <laughs> no. um, so I have a variation of a question I ask everybody. And normally I ask, what's the best and worst six hours you've ever had racing? But for you, where's the best place you've ever had to navigate and the worst place? Like map-wise, terrain-wise. Or maybe the easiest, <laughs> maybe better way is the easiest place it's ever been to navigate and the hardest place. Um, well... Yeah, tricky, tricky one. I mean, I guess, um, I guess, easiest place is, I mean, I there's not really a, obviously you know in in any particular race there's you know often such big variation in legs and um, times. Um, the I, I guess yeah. I mean, I mean obviously some some sections inherently. Are fairly easy where you're just more following a trail along um, and there's not a lot to do but 
even there, you know, you find that there's there's always things that can throw you, such as, you know, the trail doesn't actually do what it shows on the map and all kind of things. So you sort of always have to be a little bit, you know, alert. Um, sometimes it's kind of, yeah, you do occasionally think, oh, I just want to chill out for a bit. And, um, <laughs> when you, you know, like you just mentally a little bit, I don't know, tired or just be nice to just wander along. And often I find if you, if you do that, yeah, too long and sooner or later something will suddenly happen that you're not expected and you'll be cursing that you haven't been paying attention because you're like suddenly like, oh, I have no idea how long we've been walking or quite what direction we've been going in. <laughs> um, so I think even even when it's easy, it does pay to... Um, I mean, I, I suppose, I guess, really, that probably the very easiest is if it's um, open to, you know, like open terrain, you can see a lot, like visually, you can see a long way. Like, you know, like when you're... Um, if you can, you know, if you can visually see a point that you're trying to get to, yeah. a long way off in the distance, then that then becomes the easiest navigation because then you pretty much can more or less put the map away and you go, okay, well we know we just have to keep going until we get to that, you know, top of that hill over yeah. yonder. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and on difficult navigation side of things, I mean, I guess for me, there's, there's two different types of difficult. There's sort of, I guess, what I consider and sort of enjoyable, like technical, difficult navigation, which I've had some um, quite fun races in Australia, even, and I guess other places where you're, you know, it's, it's you know, it's not like thick, thick, but, you know, it's, it's, I guess, you know, bush covered um, hills, but with, you know, reasonably um, detailed, you know, contours that sort of, you know, you're trying to follow spurs along that sort of, you know, branching off like a little, you know, sort of may, you know, like a little, um, I guess there's, there's lots of sort of fairly fine contour detail and, and, you know, lots of sort of similar looking spurs all sort of, you know, branching off here, there and everywhere. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess that's quite satisfying, you know, it's definitely very challenging navigating, um, but it's also quite satisfying because it's, I guess, more known or more logical that, you know, you're always you know, the, detail, the sort of information is there on the map and you just have to try and, you know, make, um, I, I guess, sort of, you know, sort of be careful at keeping track of where you are and, and yeah. sort of, you know, um, I guess navigating well. So that's sort of, I guess, what I, I mean, it's, it's difficult navigation that's kind of, you know, I guess known and fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I find it quite enjoyable. <laughs> I still can get yeah. frustrated when things go wrong. Um, or... I guess that's the thing. When everything goes wrong, it's always a little bit frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the other the other type of navigating, which is difficult, but I sort of I guess less enjoy, is when there's more I guess unknown or you know more random. Like I guess what I dislike is when the the map and the terrain really haven't been you know matched well. And we had that um, in. Costa Rica a little bit actually um, like as one particular example I can just sort of think of where you know on the map it showed more or less this track you know following down pretty much in the valley by the river and we got to this checkpoint and um, the organisers had sort of or the, the you know, staff at the transition there sort of said oh okay you've got to cross over here and follow these little tapes up the hill and then you know um, they sort of run out, but just, you know, keep going up the hill a couple hundred metres um, and you'll, you know, hit the trail. And we thought, oh, well, that doesn't sound too difficult. And so we did that 
Um, and, you know, followed it just these little tapes and then con- continued on for another, you know, few hundred metres and sure enough there was no sign of trail so he continued a bit further and still no sign of a trail and then on the map you know it shows the trail right down more or less you know at the river so you sort of suddenly start thinking say, well we've gone you know nearly half a k now and we still haven't seen the trail and what's well, clearly showing down you know yeah. down near the river um we've obviously probably missed it so we kind of go all the way back down and still can't see this damn trail and then we're not sure what to do maybe we bash down the river and then we're like finally sort of made the call, well, it could be really bad bashing down this river. Um, and so we ended up basically going back to the transition, all back to this sort of, you know, little CP to sort of try and actually re-get them to, you know, explain or sort of clarify exactly what was going on. Um, and, you know, we got back there about an hour later. <laughs> and, you know, it was like throwing an hour away. And it turns out that the two or three hundred metres that they were talking about was vertical, not in distance. So basically we had to go up this hill, you know, at least three hundred metres vertically, which is, you know, a good K or more in distance. Um, and sure enough, eventually we got way up there and we did hit a trail, but, you know, it was nowhere near where it was marked on the map. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's things like that that, I guess from a navigating point of view, are fairly frustrating because there's, there's sort of not a lot of, I guess real navigational skill involved. It's, um, yeah. you know, a little bit, but it's, because that's kind of difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a tricky thing. I, I suppose generally, I guess what, yeah, can make things difficult is when the terrains, I guess if the terrain's fairly, you know, thick or slow, like when you're in, you know, jungly terrain, then you kind of get forced to follow these tracks. But if the tracks aren't then that, accurate on the map it sort of gets into this difficult situation where you sort of I don't know you, you sort of have to rely on the tracks because you can't just sort of go on your compass but at the same time the tracks are not that reliable because they're not mapped very well then you're like I don't know I, I sort of find I'm it's not yeah I mean I I don't mind but it's yeah it's definitely not my my most enjoyable type of navigating but yeah. it can be challenging yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. That was particularly good, good, good. Quite what you're after, but <laughs> yeah, no. But it, I, honestly, it's I don't care what you answer, but it's a cool answer. So, <laughs> and and I think um, this has really been a lot of insights. Um, you know, I, I'm talking to a lot of people about worlds, so it's like we don't have to talk a whole bunch about worlds specifically. So I'm 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 very. I think this is really cool. Um, I think people get sure. get to know, you know, who this guy is that's leading Seagate all around the world. <laughs> so I have one more I have one more question for you, and it's a simple one. Was Worlds this year in Brazil fun? Um, yes. No, I can I can definitely answer that easily. I I really enjoyed the race this year. I I think it was actually I was telling um yeah, pretty much you know most people I've talked to that um, I think on the, the scheme of races that I've done, it was probably, you know, right up there for my most enjoyable race, actually, um, for, for a whole number of reasons. I think, I mean, it's always enjoyable, obviously, when you have a, a, a race that goes well for you as a team, you know. Um, and I think the, the two things, I guess on that front, the two things that were good is that we both, um, you know, obviously came away off the, 
win, which we were, you know, yeah. obviously aiming for. Um, but I think in addition to that, I, I felt we kind of raced well in the sense of always, you know, having a reasonably positive, like, like sort of um, a positive focus, like sort of actually, you know, trying to sort of enjoy the... I mean, there's always sections that were just, like, horrible because it was just hot and, oh, you're not feeling that good. But at the same time, you know, I think we tried to approach it from a, you know, trying to sort of do our best, but sort of also, you know, sort of enjoy it or enjoy enjoy the challenge of the of the race. Um, whereas, like, in Ecuador the year before, I mean, we obviously did end up winning there as well, but I, I didn't feel very satisfied with, like, at the finish. I think I... Had a little bit of a, I mean, it's basically a bit tired, but I sort of, um, I don't know, I sort of had, didn't sort of come across sort of thinking, oh yeah, we sort of raced really well, or or, or even maybe just more that hadn't really enjoyed the race mm-hmm. that that much. Um, whereas this year, I guess I sort of felt that, you know, that, that was sort of part of the part of what I wanted to do was to try and you know not get too hung up on. The results. I mean, you know, we try and race as well as we could, but you know, trying to more enjoy the challenge of racing rather than getting annoyed and frustrated when things didn't go to plan. Like, you know, I guess if you kind of have that approach where you just, you know, really wanting things to go nicely. I mean, it's obviously nicer they do, yeah. but if you can't, you then find that you get really sort of stressed or frustrated or annoyed or you know, sort of you don't really enjoy it when you know things. Don't go yeah. <laughs> how you imagine. Whereas I think if you kind of more view it as, you know, I mean, you obviously yeah, you, you do want to try and aim to well, but if you kind of view those things as just sort of, you know, part of the experience, part of the challenge, and part of if you like part of the fun to try and you know deal with those issues, and it becomes, I think, yeah, more more sort of satisfying or enjoyable. So I guess that was one thing we tried to do, um, and you know, I, I sort of guess I felt quite pleased with how that all went and then I suppose the other you know real reason or the, another key reason should I say that I really enjoyed the race was just the I, I did particularly enjoy that middle sort of trick and pet craft um, section I guess it was just so different and I, I think it was like one of the first races I've done which really felt like you weren't racing like it felt like you know when you're out there it was sort of more like Okay, we've just got to try and get ourselves to the end of the stage mm-hmm. without getting majorly lost, or you know, we, we just sort of got to get there more rather than like, oh, we've got to you know worry about the watch too much. I mean, you know, we try and sort of be efficient, but it was more like it was more like a matter of just sort of making it through rather than yeah. you know yeah. ra- racing. And I I think I there was I guess a little bit novel, and um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say I'd want that all the time, but it was. It, I, I really enjoyed that sort of experience. Um, and I guess also just from the fact that the days had been, you know, so hot, and that the heat was definitely one of the big factors that I think all teams, including us, you know, it was probably one of the one of the hardest things to deal with was the heat. Um, but you know, those those two sections because you were spent such a large amount of time in the water, and it was like. It was actually really clear, you know, drinkable. To, you know, it was like beautiful. Um, I don't know it was just it was just really cool thinking that you're out in the middle of the pants now. I don't know. I just sort of just had it just sort of I don't know. It was just a cool feeling being sort of out, you know, in the middle of pretty much nowhere and um, in this sort of you know nice delicious water. You could just sort of drink it, and it was just like really kind of like a 
I don't know, it was just a cool, a cool um, experience and part of the race. I, I thought it was, you know, I guess that alone, even though the, you know, there were other stages that weren't so fun, it sort of made up for it. And I, I thought, you know, as a whole, it was just a, um, yeah, a cool experience. Cool. That's glad. I, you know, it's interesting because when you watch the race and you start to hear stuff and, it, and all you hear is how miserable that was. You know, so it's nice to yeah. know that. Well, maybe actually it wasn't all that miserable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. There were miserable times, but as a, as the whole, it, it definitely um, was 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 really cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Well, this has been a fun conversation. Thank you. Yeah, excellent. No, no, thank you for for giving me a ring. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, I always tell everybody to go fast and take chances and. How about, and don't get lost. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it's always, always easier if you, if you know where you are. As soon as you get lost, it always becomes trickier to then find out where you are. So it definitely, yeah. definitely pays to stay stay in contact if you can. <laughs> Good advice. Well, thanks. Cool. All right, we'll okay, talk to you later. Andy. All right, bye. I feel things changing now. Transparent illusions will navigate by the
Pizza